What if there's a neuroscience-based protocol to 10x the amount you're achieving while completely eradicating your body's ability to feel stressed? Hey there, Rian Doris here, co-founder of the Flow Research Collective, along with New York Times bestselling author Stephen Kotler, and welcome to Flow State Unlocked, where we decode the neuroscience of flow states so that you can use these states of profound peak performance to sharpen your focus, triple your productivity, and reach your goals in record time. Here's a question for you. Could you lift a car if your child was pinned beneath it? Well, back in 1982 in Lawrenceville, Georgia, Angela Cavallo's teenage boy Tony was working on his 64 Chevy Impala in the driveway. Suddenly, the thing slips right off the jack and lands on top of him. Little 11-year-old Johnny Edwards saw it happen and ran to tell his mother, Angela. She sprinted outside without thinking, started trying to lift that massive car off her young boy's body. Here's the thing, that Impala weighed almost 3,300 pounds, but Angela somehow found the superhuman strength to raise up the rear of that one and a half ton beast. She was screaming at her son to try and pull himself out from under the car, but her son wouldn't budge. He was completely out cold. Then she told Johnny to get the neighbors while she kept the Impala from crushing her son. Now here's the crazy thing. She didn't just lift the car for a few seconds. She held it up for five minutes. Finally, a couple of guys came and got the jack back under the car so Tony could slide out alive. The kid got away in the end with just a few bruises. Angela was sore all over for a few days, but otherwise in good shape. And mind-blowing feats of strength like this happen more often than you'd think. There's the 22-year-old girl who lifted a BMW off her dad, the teen daughters who lifted a 3,000-pound tractor off their father, and the 15-year-old boy who raised a one-ton Buick off his grandpa. And who could forget the 120-pound woman fought off a 700-pound polar bear to protect her son? Well, what's happening in these stories and countless others is a phenomenon called hysterical strength. Hysterical strength refers to a display of extreme physical strength by humans, way beyond what is believed to be normal. Usually, it occurs when people are in or perceive themselves to be in these life or death situations. Given the nature of these life or death experiences, it's never been studied in a lab, but enough corroborating anecdotal evidence suggests that it's very real. The stories were published in reputable media outlets known for their accurate reporting. During a stressful adrenaline-fueled situation, the body's pain sensitivity drops, as suggested by the injuries incurred that are only noticed after the event. Try lifting a car even just an inch and you'll get a sense of how incredible these feats are. The phenomenon of hysterical strength points us to something fascinating about humans. Humans can handle way, way more than we think we can handle, and not just a bit more, infinitely inconceivably more. And the good news is you don't have to be in a life or death situation to tap into the cognitive equivalent of hysterical strength. As a modern professional who gets paid for their knowledge, the feats you take on are cognitive, not physical. You can argue that there are no limits to what mental load or responsibility you can lift. Science shows there's a way you can handle 10 to 100 times the number of duties, decisions, and consequences you currently do. And best of all, you can perform at an elite level within this massively increased responsibility. The question is how? Well, the solution is contained within what's known as the flow channel, which is sometimes referred to as the challenge skills balance, one of flow's main triggers. Now, remember when you were learning to ride a bike. At first, you use training wheels. It's easy and safe, but it doesn't put you in flow. It's too simple. And before long, you get bored. But then came the day when those wheels came off. Suddenly, you're wobbling all over, struggling to keep balance. If someone pushed you down a steep rocky hill, 
you definitely crash. It's way too anxiety provoking for your skill level. The ideal is a flat, straight path. You're nervous, but pedaling away. Bit by bit, you find your balance. It's challenging enough that you could fall, but it's doable if you stay focused. As you gain confidence, you pedal faster and faster, gaining a sense of control. Your hair blows back from the speed with a turn of the handlebars. You swerve around rocks and branches in your path. And as the exhilaration of flow takes over, you even dare to coast down some of the steeper downhill roads around the neighborhood. This challenge skills balance is found in the flow channel when the difficulty is hard enough to engage you but matches your abilities so you can handle it. Hungarian-American psychologist Mihai Csikszentmihalyi first discovered the flow channel in the 1970s when in the flow channel people often lose track of time and become absorbed in what they're doing. Csikszentmihalyi identified two states outside the flow channel, boredom below us and anxiety above it. Boredom occurs when the challenge of a task is too low for your skill level, causing you to seek higher challenges. Anxiety occurs when the difficulty of a task is too high for your skill level, leading to feelings of stress and unease. So the flow channel works by maintaining a balance between these two states. The wider your flow channel, the more opportunities you have to get into flow. That means you have more opportunities to perform at a high level in more situations, including under conditions that would previously overwhelm you. The problem many people have, they think you can't get into flow when things are too stressful or overwhelming. But in reality, you can't get into flow because you haven't properly expanded your flow channel, the total scope within which you can achieve flow state. With a narrow flow channel, you can only access flow in limited ways under ideal conditions, like the flat road on a bike. Often this means you can't get into flow whenever life is stressful. And because of this narrow flow channel, life feels stressful to you at a level that's infinitely below where it could feel stressful, which, as the examples of hysterical strength demonstrate, leaves lots of potential on the table for you. Imagine going skiing at a resort that only has one run that you can actually handle. When you're a beginner skier, you can only get into flow on very specific, simple, easy runs. The beauty of becoming better is that the whole mountain opens up to you. Suddenly, you can ski any of the hills with the possibility of getting into flow state, being completely absorbed in skiing across all of them. Green runs, blues, blacks, even double black diamonds. And it's similar to our professional life. We can only get into flow when we have just the right amount of a certain type of work on our plate that's not too overwhelming, but as soon as a bit too much comes on, we're catapulted into stress and anxiety. Thankfully though, we can actually widen the flow channel and access the whole mountain in two ways. The first is by lowering our baseline for boredom. The second is by increasing our capacity to handle challenge. The optimal blend for flow is when you are hard to bore, yet also hard to make anxious. When you lower your baseline for boredom, more activities will stimulate. So instead of finding stimulation through things like social media and junk food, you get it from extremely dense work. For now though, we're gonna focus on the top half of the flow channel, increasing your capacity and thus making it less likely you'll experience anxiety. The result is you'll be able to handle more and more on your plate while still being able to drop into flow state. Intuitively, we tend to take on challenges that only slightly exceed our skill level, since this is what puts us in that sweet spot for flow. As you do this, you do gradually and incrementally widen the flow channel. But here's the thing, there's a way you can explode the flow channel. Exploding the flow channel means rapidly expanding your capacity so you can thrive under extreme conditions that previously would have overwhelmed you and kicked you out of flow. Now I saw a crazy example of this when I was young on a trip to Croatia. The local parents used a strangely good technique for teaching their kids how to swim. In Ireland, 
If you were gonna teach your kid how to swim, you'd bring them to swimming lessons and over six months, they'd gradually take their armbands off and be able to swim. But in Croatia, parents would simply throw their children off a pier into the ocean below. I remember watching a father carry his five-year-old out on a barnacle-covered pier extending into the Adriatic Sea. The boy grasped at his dad's hands, seeming to sense what was about to happen. But in one motion, the dad flung the boy over the pier's edge. His shriek was engulfed by crashing waves as he hit the water. However, after minutes of frantic splashing, the child began to paddle in circles, coughing up seawater a little at the start, but then eventually staying afloat. Above on the pier, the father laughed and clapped proud of his son for swimming. This is what it's like to explode the flow channel. Exploding the flow channel is about forcing yourself to learn to swim so you don't drown. And that's the risk. The risk is real. Like the Croatian kid, you risk drowning, yes, but you also get the potential upside of learning to swim in minutes rather than in months. So what's happening here is an example of the external flow trigger, high consequences taken to the extreme. Research shows that flow state has these validated preconditions that cause it to emerge, both internal and external. As action sports athletes can attest, high consequences are a particularly potent external trigger for driving us into a flow state. A high consequence environment demands that we summon a higher degree of skill and focus than what is typically required. And here's the key, biology is responsive to what it's faced with. Your biology expands to meet the cognitive challenge and high consequences that are imposed upon it. In those moments, it's 100% you and no one else who is responsible for saving your child's life. It's 100% you and no one else who has to learn to swim. Your body and brain have an extreme hysterical strength level ability to respond to added responsibility and added challenge. Put another way, your biology has a response ability, an ability to respond that kicks in when you take on more responsibility. And as soon as you do this, it leads to an explosion of your flow channel. The problem is that most people never come close to maxing this out and discovering what they're actually capable of. Their hysterical strength is never called forth, so their flow channel remains narrow, which means their opportunities for peak performance are limited to conditions of low responsibility, of minimal burden. For example, even though they'd love to build a business, they maybe remain stuck as an employee because anything outside of that role causes just enough stress to overwhelm them instead of enhancing their performance. This happens because a low enough stress level causes us to recoil, but sometimes inconceivably higher levels of stress, equivalent to having to lift a car, expand our flow channel. But if you don't put those conditions in front of your physiology, you've got nothing to adapt to. In all of the cases of hysterical strength that we mentioned, first there was the incident, the car falling on Angela's son, for example. Then there was the biological response, the extreme strength. However, that strength wouldn't have been possible if the car hadn't fallen on her son. It's paradoxical, but you can only handle more responsibility once you are overloaded with it. You can't handle it preemptively. Your biology doesn't serve up those resources until it absolutely needs them. For example, you can only run the business you dream of running once you're running. You don't develop the trait before doing the thing. You develop the trait by doing the thing. You can think of this as evolution in a microcosm. Organisms evolve in part due to the pressures the environment forces them to adapt to. However, the evolved traits and expanded flow channel come only after the challenging circumstances. I first experienced a flow channel explosion when I was in college. By accident, I discovered you can take on way more than you think while still getting into flow with a massively increased responsibility load. I was age 22 and I was forced to expand my capacity. I got the biggest break of my life where I got to co-found 
a neuroscience-based peak performance training institute with New York Times bestselling author Stephen Collar, who I'd been a diehard fan of for years. In 18 months, I went from being a student in Ireland sweating bullets about having to pass some microscopic trivial exam to leading a team of nearly 50 people as CEO with most of the team being twice my age. Suddenly responsible for a dozen families carrying roughly half a million dollars of monthly salaries on my back. Now, if you had told my 22 year old self that this would happen, I would have freaked out. Being handed that level of responsibility would instantly overwhelm me. Just months before, I would have assumed that it would take years and years for me to build up to being able to handle that level of burden. And I never would have thought I could get into flow with this new load of responsibility. Overwhelm is the only thing I would have seen in sight. After all, I used to be nervous going into a 30 minute meeting with my thesis supervisor. The thought of having to revise a philosophy paper within a week was almost too much to handle. But all of a sudden, only after being forced to do so, I was handling the demands of a startup and had to host a weekly team all hands with 40 people in attendance, many of them psychologists and neuroscientists, and all of them far more intelligent and qualified than me. Yes, it was nerve wracking and intimidating, but I had no choice but to unlock the cognitive equivalent of hysterical strength, a capacity that I didn't know I had laying dormant in there to rise to meet the challenge. And counterintuitively, my opportunities for flow and peak performance increased with less stress because of this increased responsibility load. What had happened was that the top of my flow channel, the upper ceiling, where I would normally tilt into anxiety and pop out of flow, had elevated. The range of experiences and activities that used to overwhelm me now intensified my focus and performance. I could suddenly handle the steep, rocky hill on the bike and double black diamond ski runs. My biology was confronted with a circumstance that required me to explode my flow channel. Now, why does this happen? Why does our biology respond to challenge in this way by serving up credible additional capacity we don't know is lying there dormant the whole time? Well, there's two reasons why we're able to get this short-term explosion in capacity. First, there's the stress ceiling. You see, stress doesn't increase linearly with responsibility. Humans have an upper limit to how much stress they can feel and how much cortisol can even be in the bloodstream. If you take on a thousand times more responsibility than you have now, you're not physically capable of taking on a thousand times more stress. The limit varies based on your distress tolerance, which is determined by coping strategies, genetics, childhood experiences, and cultural background. But the point is, regardless of where your limit is, there's a limit. For example, the president of the United States doesn't experience stress subjectively or physiologically on par with the magnitude of their responsibility. The brain may as well be as stressed as a teenager running the drive through at a fast food restaurant who's being shouted at by their boss. Or think of entrepreneurs like Elon Musk running multiple billion dollar companies at once. It's not that they don't feel stress, but there is a limit to the amount our minds and bodies can experience simultaneously. More cognitive workload and responsibility does not mean proportional more stress objectively. And subjectively, the reason you can shoulder the stress so well is partly due to cognitive and hedonic adaptation. We quickly adapt to new stimuli until they become our baseline norm. What once felt like pressure eventually just feels standard. It's like living near train tracks. At first, the roar of each train is jarring, but over time, your brain filters out the noise. Soon the rumble soothes you to sleep. Plus, the stress you do end up feeling doesn't increase linearly. At a certain point, it begins to diminish. The 20th major responsibility feels similar to the fifth. The brain integrates each responsibility until even enormous loads cause little extra stress. It's like trying to force yourself to stay awake at night for three days straight. At some point, you start falling asleep. Stress is similar. It tires out before you do. 
Back when I was 22, leaping from college to a CEO role in 18 months, due to the stress ceiling, I inverted what I once experienced in college. Even though my responsibility level was now pushing the ceiling, my stress levels were still barely off the floor. And I was able to access flow state and succeed in a role that had previously been unfathomable. The next thing that happens when circumstances force our biology to explode the flow channel is we crack open our resilience reservoirs. In the examples of hysterical strength, these reservoirs were response speeds and raw physical strength, but you have untapped cognitive resilience reservoirs that once accessed, allow you to handle way more than what you think you can handle right now. These resilience reservoirs are invisible to you until pried open by circumstance, by sheer necessity. You can see this with the Navy SEAL Hell Week training. SEAL recruits have to handle crushing conditions that seem unendurable. Hell Week is a merciless five and a half day ordeal where recruits face over 200 miles of running, disorienting sleep deprivation, and cold water immersion, where they must immerse themselves in frigid ocean water pre-dawn and then roll in the sand, creating a chafing, abrasive layer on their skin while teetering on the brink of hypothermia. And here's the thing. In the process, the recruits realize that their perceived limits were just 30% of what's truly possible. With enough intensity and the flow trigger high consequences, the human spirit summons astounding resilience reservoirs. The key point is that the SEAL trainees couldn't complete even half of these ordeals in a regular gym workout. You can't do Hell Week outside of Hell Week, or even half of a Hell Day. But in Hell Week, by forcing your biology to face an obscene challenge, you unlock insane capacity. The urgent context forces an unprecedented effort and cracks open your latent resilience reservoirs. As William James, the founder of modern psychology once said, it is evident that our organism has stored up reserves of energy that are ordinarily not called upon. Deeper and deeper strata of explosive material ready for use by anyone who probes so deep. The human individual usually lives far within their limits. Most never experience their spirit's full force. But add responsibility and that energy will rise up. We realize we're capable of far more than we thought. The circumstance forces our biology to unleash its resilience reservoirs, which results in a flow channel explosion. So how do we actually do this? It sounds good in theory, but what are the practical steps to pull this off and explode the flow channel so our capacity expands? Well, think back to a time when you had one of those really heavy backpacks on your back for a little while. And remember how, after you take it off, it suddenly feels like you can jump twice as high. You feel really light afterwards. That's what we're going for. To tap into your dormant resilience and expand your capacity, there are three steps. Step one is overload. Step two is adapt. Step three is deload. First, overload yourself. Take on an inconceivable amount more than you're handling right now. More responsibility, more work, more challenge. This intense overloading forces an explosion of your flow channel. Now, when overloading, we're saying to go through a discrete phase where you tend to 100x the load you're carrying right now to a degree that maybe even feels unfathomable or insane. Similar to the woman who lifted the car or the woman who fought off the polar bear, what's your version of that car or of that polar bear? It should feel like it might take you years to be ready to pull off this overload phase. Otherwise, it's likely you haven't overloaded enough. Now remember, the load refers to responsibility and high consequences, both things that will increase your biology's ability to respond and thus tap into resilience reservoirs by necessity. For example, just saying to yourself that you'll work harder doesn't increase the responsibility load. At most, the only consequence is internal, breaking the word to yourself. This matters 
but it's nowhere near the external high consequences of saving a child's life, for example. So first, get clear on your most important professional goal right now. Really crystallize it. This is your own version of Hell Week, your polar bear to fight, your car to lift. Now, with a huge professional goal in mind, ask yourself, how could I achieve this goal in one-tenth of the time? What would that require from me? The goal is not simply increasing your output, but fundamentally upgrading the capacity of your mind and nervous system by exploding the flow channel. Overloading this manner forces your brain to rapidly develop new neural pathways, abilities and cognitive faculties to handle the intensity. Essentially, an exponential jump in responsibility leads to exponential growth in mental capacity, and it leads to exponential accomplishment. Now, a few important distinctions to keep in mind. First, the overload needs to be focused on the core of your professional domain. Don't spread yourself thin trying to overload in all areas of life at once. Stack responsibility and activity within your central field. For example, if you're a software engineer, take sole ownership of a massive new feature instead of overloading with different unrelated coding projects. Overloading by taking on disparate new projects will dilute the effect. You want one unbelievably heavy backpack, not 10 average weight backpacks. Use overload to go deeper in your profession, not wider. Next, avoid setting arbitrary goals without activity attached. Overload is about doing, not just thinking bigger. Match bold goals with equally bold day-to-day -day efforts. You have to fully immerse yourself, cancel all non-essential meetings and obligations, rearrange your life to fully focus on this one make or break goal for a short sprint. For example, when working on a book with my writing partner, it typically takes us a couple of weeks to get a solid draft of one chapter. So we both canceled all of our meetings, booked an expensive hotel, and spent a week getting 10 chapters written. We didn't just set a goal to write faster, we drastically rearranged our lives to make hitting that exponentially increased goal a make or break priority. The high consequences for failing to deliver those 10 chapters in a week would have been enormous in terms of wasted time, money, and momentum. And we failed to hit the publisher's timeline. It was about increasing the stakes and responsibility for follow through. Next, Overloading yourself requires an exponential, not incremental approach. Don't gradually add to your workload, like lifting slightly heavier weights at the gym. Instead, blast past your perceived limits. Take on a burden so heavy and unrealistic that it seems absurd to even try. The last rule when considering what to overload is to ask, where are you investing the stress you're inevitably gonna feel? Every project comes with stress and preoccupation. So you may as well pick big, meaningful projects to allocate the inevitable stress to. Because as mentioned, you're gonna hit a stress ceiling either way. An enormous project doesn't have an equally large increase in stress associated with it. Again, you can only have so much cortisol in your system and that cortisol can always be systematically cleared through active recovery. This overload phase will feel scary, like the Croatian kids being plunged into the ocean without knowing how to swim. But only by entering these unknown waters will you learn to swim them. And by persisting through the uncertainty and stress, you'll force dormant capacities and resilience to the surface. Overloading creates an urgent necessity to deploy cognitive skills more effectively. Just as the people tapping into hysterical strength suddenly deploy 10 times the normal physical abilities. Your abilities will naturally evolve to meet the challenge in time. This is how you explode the flow channel. The conditions you can get into flow with it. Your entire range of what you can handle with composure shifts upward. This brings us to the next step of the flow channel explosion process. Flow channel explosion phase two is adapt. Deploy every resource and skill you've got to handle the overload phase. It will be brutal, but liberating. Discomfort, yes, but not despair. What you're betting on is that instead of having a wildly dysregulated challenge skills balance and flow channel, your resilience reservoirs crack open. 
This is what allows you to weirdly and miraculously have a regulated challenge skills balance under incredibly, inconceivably high new levels of challenge. You're dialing up the challenge skills balance so high that your biology is forced to compensate. What once shattered you, you can now handle. This is incredibly counterintuitive and goes against what we are typically conditioned to think, but it works. For example, consider world record powerlifter Andy Bolton. He had a max deadlift of 800 pounds, but in competition with the stakes raised, he pulled a shocking 1,003 pounds. The responsibility and consequence load that he chose to carry being in that competition unlocked a 25% increase in his biology that he simply could not have accessed at the gym, even if he tried to do it hundreds of times. Now, keep in mind, as part of the adaptation process, due to your resilience reservoirs and the stress ceiling, your stress will remain manageable. As you adapt to the overload, this is the moment you explode the flow channel by making the ceiling for anxiety way higher, which means you can get it to flow with much more on your plate. Now, finally, it's time to deload. This is the last part of the flow channel explosion process. Now, here's how this works. You've just put yourself through the intensity of the overload phase. You took on challenges and responsibilities multiple times greater than your previous norm. It was uncomfortable, stressful. It required deploying all of your skills in new ways and tapping into new reservoirs just to stay afloat. And you hit the top of your stress ceiling. But now, after a set period of intensity, say three to six months, you deliberately drop back down to your original load level. Suddenly, everything feels easier. Your original pre-overload responsibilities that used to tax you now feel smooth, feel manageable. You can get vastly more done with less effort and incredibly low levels of stress. It's like trying to lift 100 pounds every day for weeks, and then in your next workout, trying to lift 10 pounds. The 10 pounds feels as light as a feather. What happened? Well, you've experienced something called cognitive elasticity, which is also known as the rubber band effect. Just as muscles grow in size and strength when lifting heavy weights, your mental capacities grow when heavy cognitive loads are placed upon them. Your brain evolved new connections and pathways. Attention centers became more robust. You developed greater emotional resilience and more complex thinking patterns. All of this was necessary just to survive the exponential increase in load and responsibility. But here's the key. Once grown, your brain doesn't relinquish these new capacities when you return to lower load levels. It's permanently stretched like a rubber band. Your fitness for tolerating professional responsibility has permanently increased. The bottom line is this. If you take on an insane amount of responsibility periodically, afterward, work will feel easy. And you can get into flow with a workload that's higher than what would have previously overwhelmed you. A helpful analogy to tie this all together. Imagine loading a heavy backpack onto your shoulders at first, it feels crushingly heavy. Your muscles ache as you struggle under the weight. But if you keep walking, despite the strain, your muscles and mind adapt. Step by step, the burden lightens. Your legs strengthen, your resolve hardens. Soon, you're trekking smoothly with a pack that initially seemed unbearable. Then you deload. You shed the recently added responsibility and drop back to normal levels. Suddenly, your original workload feels smooth and easy. Your enhanced abilities and freshly widened flow channel make what was once taxing incredibly doable but it goes even deeper it's not just that doing what you were doing feels easy it's that doing even more than what you were doing maybe double now feels easy for example a 1000 percent increase in workload may cause 300 percent more stress due to the stress ceiling adapt and deload and that 300 percent level of stress drops down to nothing from there it requires a 2000 percent increase in workload to feel stress again. So overload, adapt, deload. By training this way, you gain strength, resilience, and skills you never know you had. Skills 
capacity and resilience that lie dormant in your physiology until you bear more responsibility and crack open the resilience reservoirs that live within you right now. And of course, you explode your flow shower. One way to remember this, when you see a hill, sprint. You may not be able to handle what's currently on your plate, but you may be able to handle far more than what's currently on your plate. A certain amount of pressure is required for anti-fragility to form. The perfect analogy for this is the mother in the car. Normally, she wouldn't even be able to lift even a tenth of the car's weight. It's not likely she had been training deadlifts at the gym, but in that moment of hysterical strength, she could lift an abnormal amount of weight for five minutes. And this is the key. This flow channel explosion leads to way more than achieving whatever outcome you're accelerating toward. All kinds of other benefits occur. You gain an updated and expanded identity, increased vision with respect to what you're capable of in your life and business. And of course, a significantly expanded capacity. So you get the goal and you get the capacity to set and achieve bigger goals faster. For example, the new leader who goes from being an individual contributor to leading a team of 10 suddenly realizes that they could build their own 100 plus person organization. The writer who forces a book out in a month rather than two years realizes that they could write a 1,000 page magnum opus now rather than at the end of their life. The athlete who practices for 14 hours a day straight realizes that the NBA playoffs aren't just a fantasy, but an actual reality and possibility to shoot for. And by the way, you can facilitate this flow channel explosion process for others. If you're a team leader, if they voluntarily ask for it, they give you their consent, of course, you can elevate a highly ambitious team member very radically. You overload them with responsibility, giving them five to 10 years of progress in months. This will make them incredibly appreciative. I will expand the quality of the team you have. We call this accelerated promotion. For example, an ambitious and highly competent employee of mine told me he wanted to become a CEO. So I let him take over one of my businesses entirely. He went from leading a small team while receiving a lot of mentorship to running an entire business within the span of weeks. Rian here again. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Flow State Unlocked. If you want to catch this episode with all the visuals and lots of fancy, beautiful animations that we put together so you can more deeply understand these concepts, then head over to our YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com forward slash Rian Doris, and I'll see you there.